Welcome to Real Estate Investing in the Real World Podcast. The topic of this episode is five keys to insurance for real estate investments. Hi, I'm Phil Pustiofsky with Freedom Mentor. I'm a full-time real estate investor, real estate mentor and coach to many of the most successful real estate investors all across North America, best-selling author. Thanks to you, this is the number one channel for real estate investing on YouTube. And I think some of the reason for that is not only because of my experience in this business and all of the deals that I have done and I'm doing right now with my apprentices across the United States, Canada, even the Caribbean, but also because I'm willing to talk about things that are often not mentioned much when the topic of real estate investing comes up. And insurance is a perfect example. How often have you seen trainings on this subject? Almost never, right? Well, in this video, I hope to share with you some critical points that you need to be aware of. And if you're real estate investing, then you have to know something about insurance because it's a big part of this business because there's all kinds of liability and things that can go wrong. And if you don't have the right insurance and you don't handle this correctly, that could be a big problem. I mean, it literally could be a catastrophe in your financial life. All right, so with that positive note, let's get started. Number one, so key number one, you need to connect with more than one. So more than one insurance broker with a B, insurance broker. That's very different from your normal agent, <clears throat> okay? So a broker represents several different carriers, and they can write policies for different carriers depending on the situation. Contrast that with an insurance agent, like someone at State Farm or Allstate or Farmers, and again, there's nothing against any of those great companies. It's just they are not a fit for real estate investments because these groups of people, they can find different carriers that have different niches to help with your particular deal that you're going to be owning. Okay, so connect with an insurance broker, not an agent. And I say more than one because you find out there that different brokers have different carriers that they work with. Now, most brokers will tell you that if they can't find the policy, then it doesn't exist with any carrier. And I'm here to tell you that that is nonsense. Different brokers have different carriers. I have more than one insurance broker that I work with. Now, they don't know that, and hopefully they're not watching this video. Um, but I have different insurance brokers that do better with certain types of properties and certain types of ownerships. So uh, a good example was one of my, uh, my favorite insurance brokers that I still work with uh, quite a bit. She said that it was impossible to find an insurance carrier that would insure a property in a land trust in the state of Florida. And I said that is complete bogus. The, the Land Trust Act has been around for like 60, 70 years in the state of Florida, and there's a gajillion properties in this state owned in land trust, and surely they're not all completely uninsured. So, uh, anyways, I found another insurance broker who does real well with properties that are owned in a land trust. She has a different set of carriers or insurance companies that she can write policies for. Okay, 
So that's key number one, more than one insurance broker. A lot of people in business like to find one of everything. And you've probably, uh, if you've watched any of my other videos, seen where one of my big rules is my rule of three. My rule of three. And that is talk to at least three, at least three different insurance brokers and you'll get three different answers. And it's great because they have different perspectives, different strengths, all those sorts of great things. All right, that's key number one. Let's move on. Key number two, the correct type of policy, correct type of policy. So with, uh, with investing investments, you really only have three types. First, you have a landlord policy. So that, of course, is if you are going to be owning the property for rental purposes. Number two is a vacant policy, and that's going to be for your minor rehabs. You're buying it, turning around and reselling it. This is the zone that I play in the most. And then number three is if you're doing a major rehab, you're going to do what's called a builder's risk policy. Now, my vote is that you avoid this unless it really truly does need a lot of work, major changes to the structure and the floor plan and all that stuff. Otherwise, stick in the vacant because if you're looking at it from a pricing standpoint, I'll use the dollar symbols, that's kind of uh, standard these days, it kind of goes up like this. This is your most expensive. This is still very expensive. And this is a whole lot cheaper. And we're going to get into... Um, another important point later on this uh, topic of, of trying to save money, but you want to match the correct policy type to the deal you're working on. Because, for example, a landlord policy is tremendously cheaper than a vacant policy, usually less than half. I mean, a huge saving. Sometimes it's a quarter of the cost of a vacant policy. But if this thing's vacant for more than about a month or two, they're going to consider this a vacant property. So you don't want to play games there. You want to, you want to match it correctly. So if your intent is to do a, 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 a vacant flip, or you're just going to own it, do some little cosmetic work to it and sell it, get a vacant policy. I know it's more expensive, but you've got to match the correct policy. But if you are going to be renting now, you're going to get a landlord policy. Make sense? Okay. Key number three. And this is, this is so critical. The name of insured, so that's the way it shows up on the policy, that has to equal, it has to match the deed. I would argue this is the single biggest mistake investors are making right now who are watching this video. There's probably any number of y'all that have properties in, let's say, an LLC, so you own the property in an LLC, but the name of the insured is you personally. That's a problem. That's a big, big problem. You need that if you own the property in an LLC, that means that that's what the deed is, is in the LLC, then you need that to be the name of the insured. Okay? Now, if you, if you own a property, personal name, it's going to be cheaper. Your cost will be cheaper if it's owned in a personal name. But when you move it to an LLC, it usually changes the dynamic, and it now has to be a commercial policy, and that might be an even different carrier and all those sorts of things. But you've got to do it right, and you can continue to hear this theme throughout this video. So uh, if, you, if you own it in a trust, 
If that's the way it's deeded, you guessed it, the name of the insured needs to be the trust. I can't tell you how often people are making this mistake. Don't make this mistake. So whatever the deed shows is the owner, that's the insured. What happens if you change ownership? Let's say, for example, because you are going to be doing a traditional purchase or you're getting a loan, the lender's going to make you buy the property in your personal name because your personal name is going to match the deed with the deed of trust or the mortgage, whatever state you're in. Well, what happens when you say, okay, well, as soon as I close on this property in my personal name, I'm going to move it into an LLC. That's fine. But you better change your insurance. Now, it could be as simple as calling your insurance uh, company and asking them to update the policy because maybe the LLC is 100% owned by you personally, so it's not that big of a change. They might have you fill out some forms, but they might have you do a completely new policy altogether. But you need to do that. Because if you don't, and we'll get into this in key number five, the insurance company is going to come up with every reason not to pay a claim if there ever was a claim. Make sense? Okay, moving right along. Key number four, have plenty of markers. <laughs> no, that's not the key. Key number four, enough coverage. Okay, so your coverage actually is kind of simple. The All right, so that's those are our main keys here. The coverage is really breaking down in just a couple of things. First, you have the actual damage that, and I'm going to use this word, it's not what insurers use. I use that word, damage. Damage that could occur to the property. And so we have this thing called replacement cost. Replacement cost. They typically do an estimator kind of software to estimate what the cost would be for total replacement. Now, what's an example of a damage that could uh, require total replacement? A fire. If the whole thing burned to the ground, all you'd have left is the foundation, maybe, and you definitely have the land. So that would be the that would be a replacement cost. Now, us investors have a unique situation. We will buy properties a whole lot less than uh, what it could be the replacement cost. So you might pay for a property. You might pay, let's say, sixty thousand for it, and the and the replacement cost estimator software that the insurance broker uses may say, well, the insurance replacement cost is 200 k Well, that might be too much insurance. You may not need to, to get that much. It might be too expensive. In which case, you might be better off uh, trying to reduce that. Now, they don't like it when you do that. Those insurance brokers will say, oh, we don't recommend that. Uh, but if it's this big of a gross differential, you can usually sign some extra disclaimers and paperwork and say, I don't want to pay full replacement cost. I don't want to pay for that much coverage. So that's an example of too much. So you just have to have the right, you know, it's the right amount of coverage. The next thing besides damage is if it is a, uh, if it is a landlord policy, you're going to have uh, lost rent. Lost rent. And that's pretty simple. That can be calculated based on the rental income you're bringing in. Um, and might as well do the amount that you normally would bring in, right? Okay. So the, uh, the, next, the next one is going to be liability, liability. And uh, this right here, typically insurance brokers can give you the right um, uh, numbers on this. Uh, typically, it's like 300, 500,000, that kind of thing. Um, and you usually be okay there. That's not a huge issue. Um, but there's more. What about pets? Ooh, this is a big one. 
Most people don't have any clue about this. A lot of policies exclude pets. And if you exclude pets and that tenant's pet goes and bites some child next door, you could be in for a real problem. I know it's the tenant's fault, but you may get dragged into that lawsuit. So if that's the case, if you don't carry pet um, uh, in, in your overall liability policy, then you need to either A, buy a separate policy for it, or B, you need to uh, have the tenants get their own renter's insurance policy, demand that they get that. You have to put that in the lease, though, um, to ensure that there's not going to be a big problem with their pet. And by the way, there's this thing called the vicious list. Dun, dun, dun. Vicious list. What's the vicious list? It's the list of types of dogs that certain insurance companies under no circumstances are going to insure, even if there is a pet part to the liability section of the coverage. Important. This is why when I do my leases, I never allow pets. And if they just demand to have a pet, I have to see the insurance policy before they move in. And I need to be put on the insurance policy so I know what's happening. I need to be on there as additionally insured in case something does happen I'm aware if they don't pay the bill or whatever, because this is huge, big gaping hole. Another piece to this puzzle of coverage, and that is water or flood. Look, just because you're not in a flood zone doesn't mean you don't need flood insurance. Individual um, that I knew that was an investor in Nashville, uh, he went right before um, he, he turned on into this new job, he bought uh, six properties in this new subdivision, and he got them all on 15-year loans. And his plan was in 15 years to have him paid off and to be his retirement. Well, you guessed it, 16 years later, he had them all paid off. He had these, these six different uh, properties all in the same subdivision. Now, now these houses were 16 years old, and they had to put new roofs and stuff on them. But here he was in a position where he could retire. He retires, and then this is true story. Um, there was a 500-year flood in Nashville, Tennessee. 500-year flood. And all six of his properties just completely wiped out. He was not in the flood zone. Not in the flood zone. Still happened. And so he ended up selling the vacant lots off. And he had to go back to work. So, if you're near water, even if you're not in the flood zone, you may want to get flood insurance. Now, I will throw this out on the, on the subject of flood insurance. You don't need full replacement. Okay, because... In most cases, and even in the case of that gentleman, <clears throat> although he ended up bulldozing, um, you didn't have to, because usually the water might only come up to the first level or something like that. And so, um, in his case, he just knocked the whole thing down because he didn't want to renovate. But you can get a, a policy that's not full replacement, and you're usually just fine, okay? So, you don't have to go way overboard on the flood. I almost forgot I had to splice this back in. You definitely need to go with a higher deductible. So higher deductible. That makes a difference because you're not going to file a claim for a little bit of money. And the reason is that as soon as you file a claim, forever, you are on this insurance system, kind of like a credit report, whereby you're a filer, you're a, you're a claim filer. So... You want to only file a claim if there's a real problem, say five to ten thousand or more, which means that if you have a higher deductible, you're going to pay less in insurance, but you are going to pay out that uh, problem if it was less than say five thousand dollars anyways, because you weren't going to want to file a claim. Because filing a claim, like I said before, that puts you on this permanent list. It's worse than a credit report because it never gets peeled off. Thirty years later, it's still on there that you filed a claim for two thousand dollars. You know, back in the 1980s. Okay, so um, higher deductible. 
All right, so that's coverage. Key number five, and I don't have much room down here. Hopefully you can see this, but you can hear me say it, and so that's all that really matters, and it's this. Don't cheat. Don't cut corners. You don't want to be in that game. Insurance companies make money in two ways. Number one, premiums. So marketing, 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 get as many customers in the door as they possibly can so they can collect as many premium checks as they possibly can. That's the first place they make money. Second place is not paying claims. They don't want to pay claims. Insurance companies hire people to get out of paying claims by looking at the fine print that they wrote. Okay? So that's why you need to have the right policy that has got to match the name of the deed. And if you change, make sure you change the insurance. You need to have the right kind of coverage. We talked about things like pet, like flood. And here's the thing. Don't try to save a couple bucks here by going with a landlord policy when it's really a flip. And you go the because the vacant's so much more expensive. That's a key place where people do that. And then another thing is, I know I've talked about places where you can kind of get over coverage, um, but you just need to make sure you cover some of these major items. Now, an insurance broker, you can talk to them more about this. You can talk to them about the situation and say, where are my holes? Where could I go wrong? And that can make a big difference too. It's just understanding where you might have a, a, a kink in your armor. All right, well, those are the five keys to insurance for real estate investments.